Welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Bobby. And before I start the show, I uh, I really just want to thank everyone and whoever has been listening or listens more than one, or even if you just kind of clicked on it and just to see what I was doing, who I am, passions and that kind of thing. Thank you. Um, it's been really cool to see the, I'm not a big numbers guys, as you guys know that with stocks, I don't believe in numbers, I believe in historical referencing and patterns, but to see the number and the places where I've kind of grown and to see that, you know, my friends, my family are supporting this, you know, gig I'm doing on the side, and I wish I could do it full time, but you know, you gotta start somewhere. And I know I've had a few episodes early on that would scratch you. I published them just to publish to see what would happen, and I was like, no, I need to get rid of that. I've had some interesting out of context conversations. Steve, uh, I'm going to have some more coming up. I'm going to do a special episode with a buddy of mine who is an army veteran. Um, that's coming up shortly. And then I have a few other ones. You know, I have, I, I really, if you are a historically minded person, right? If you're a historian, if you have one degree, if you have an associate's degree, whatever the case is, and you want to speak on a topic in history, reach out. Please reach out. I would love to, I love having historical conversations with people. That's who I am. So please reach out. This episode is interesting. It's very interesting. Um, it's about pacification in Vietnam. Oh, yes, we are back in Vietnam, back in Southeast Asia. And it's a newer book because pacification has developed over time. It's been, it's a, it's, it's a, been a thing for a very long time. It's just the wording and then being able to get the support of the villagers, right, trying to be the top dog with the rights resource instead of the Viet Cong, control the resource, right? information and all of the context for this podcast came out of a book clear hold and destroy pacification in few yen sorry if I uh, messed that up in the American war in Vietnam um, by Robert J. Thompson the third historian it was really cool because when I, opened, when I first opened the book, it had his acknowledgments, 
and I thought it was very well written. Um, note on language. And I found it very interesting because I never really thought about the Vietnamese language in, in these two paragraphs he writes. So, just for the context of the book, because I think the quotes in here and some of the things he says in here are very, very important, but you need to know the note on the language. So you can understand not just him, but Vietnamese culture and history moving forward. So, language choices extend to Vietnamese names. This, unlike American ones, Vietnamese go in the order from family name, middle name, then their given name. So, Ho Chi Minh, right? I know I've talked about him a lot. Right? Vietnamese go by family name, middle name, given name. So that's just a little something to think about. You know, we all, you know, it's like little things you don't even think about until you're like, oh, wait. Okay. You know? said, I am going to open up with a quote. So, this is about the National Secretary Council, a member of the National uh, Secretary Council, Robert Comer. Um, he's, you know, he helped define what was pacification. And especially within the context of the American war in Vietnam. So he went on to explain that there's three parts. One, providing local security in the countryside, essentially establishing a military police catering force um, to kind of just, in a way, win the people over away from the VC, right? Because the VC are very scary people, especially to the villagers. The second thing, which was a good segue, breaking the hold of the VC over the people. <laughs> That's a part of pacification. I think that was a part of the whole military plan in Vietnam. I don't think it was a political strategy. And if it was, it wasn't used correctly, as was a lot of things not used correctly by Johnson, McNamara, Nixon. You know, a lot of things that they didn't do, and a lot of things they did do, were the wrong things. <laughs> um, and I am probably all three of those, but I'm the biggest, you know, one of the biggest credits, I would say. Um, I don't I mean, if you know me and if you've listened to a few podcasts, I get pretty fired up talking about LBJ. <laughs> so, or McAmer, right? Um, we talk, and um, Westmoreland's the other one. But anyway, it 
the fact that it was trying to break a hold, including a type of military force as the VC, you know, makes me believe it is a military strategy over a political one. Like, political ones, a lot of the time, are a few men sitting in a room drawing lines on a piece of paper. Tell me this is how we're going to do it, right? Treaty of Versailles. We're going to split up post-war Germany, right? That kind of thing. Um, obviously, if, feel free to debate me. Feel free to comment things under my Instagram. Everything. Please feel free. So, it, it has a few different meanings. And the other issue, um, which you learn early on in this book, is that there's not really a definition. <laughs> because the Chinese have been trying to invade and conquer. I shouldn't say China. That whole eastern, southern part of Asia has been a battle at war with each other for centuries. You think about the Japanese Empire, you think about how strong they were, think about how strong the Chinese Empire historically it was. Right? It's Vietnam. <laughs> Good old little Vietnam. And then you have a continuous for continuous amount of times we coming leaving going coming going Chinese in Vietnam the French right that's later on in the 50s but you know when they were there in the 50s right the French the US was in Korea that's all I want to say Think about that. When the French were in Vietnam, I mean, the French were there since the beginning of time. When the French got out of Vietnam in the 50s, we were in Korea for three years. And in 1950, right, five years earlier, what had happened? The end of the Second World War, right? The stop of the, the complete, you know, Completely, utterly surrender of Nazi Germany. Unconditional surrender. That's the term I'm looking for. There's my military brain working. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's a little bit of a good start place to start. Is you have this idea. You have these three ideas, really. Three ideas, right? You have providing a local security, breaking the hold of the VC, and I didn't even say the third one yet because I got carried away. But the third one is positive programs to win the active support of the population. Right? So for Coomer, right, for Robert Coomer, the village basically was pacification. Like that's how he saw pacification was. How do we help the village? Alright, so villagers. 
Um, and a lot of the time, you know, you, you hear it a lot, especially during wars and conflicts and studying military history is the idea of resources and having them and knowing how valuable and where to get your next <laughs> set of resources, right? Because it's all about the, the next set of resources. You know, how can I stay ahead of the game? So, I, yeah, so I'll let you guys think about that. Um, I think I'll, I'll leave this segue to move on and kind of good quote from uh, um, Kumar himself. You know, pacification can be used to encompass the whole of the military, political, and civilian effort in Vietnam. So that's, you know, basically those three things what I said in a nutshell. So that gives you kind of an idea of where we're headed from here. Um, it's it's going to be interesting, this episode. You know, I have a lot of different ideas on what it is, how it can help. You know, I think... I, th- I do think they're related. I do think the political part of Vietnam and the military part of Vietnam... In, with pacification, right? That part of pacification in Vietnam. They do play a part, the two of them. But I think they're more separated than we think. Right? Because a lot of time political and military is intertwine. Or we think that political and military plans and ideas should intertwine, right? Like to stop Hitler in World War II. That was... Everybody was on board for that. As time has come on, and as we've gotten to the next century, things don't make sense politically and militarily. And I think that something in 1950, right after, even if it was the fall of Berlin, right? 1945 comes. Or the fall of Berlin. Not taking Berlin. Right? The surge with Eisenhower. Right then, that moment. Politics, military. Separated. A little bit more. So I I don't think... I think that they're a little bit separated. And I, I don't think that creation of helping the people was on um, Johnson's mind McMahon's mind, Westmoreland's mind I think they all were fighting the last war as we all say military historians say they're always fighting the last war right but they just didn't understand how to do something and a lot of time those who were there like the ground troops understood
So pacification, as you can kind of get a feel to for, like Vietnam, nothing really has a clear definition, right? So I'm just going to quote again from the same book. Quote, in Vietnam, pacification sat the center of the war between Hanoi and Saigon. What that basically means is that the North Vietnamese government understood that the villagers wanted now and they wanted support. They wanted all these things now. That's it. And the Westerner side and the American side, things because of how far away we were from the other side of the world, right? China's right there. They can help North Vietnam get supplies if they need. As much as they don't like them, you know, they didn't like us being there either. Nobody would. Nobody likes having their own homeland being destroyed because that's their way of life, right? You think about rice patties. You think about all of the stories of the destruction of the rice patties and the collection of the resource of rice. It's very interesting. You think about oil in World War II, right? When you think about oil and machinery and planes and aircrafts and intelligence and this development of technology and military where we're at today. In Vietnam, rice, rice was the overpowering resource. Because we learned, well, afterwards, you know, the North Vietnamese were unbelievable workers. Unbelievable. They just did. They just did, did, did. Here's another quote about pacification. Same page. Early on in um, that book, Clear Hold and Destroy, by Robert J. Thompson III, that I mentioned earlier. So he says, pacification was a government's issue, one that required military support. That's hard. <laughs> Any government issue, especially after World War II, even up to World War II in Berlin in 1945, the issues between politics and military clash, and it creates this un stable thinking in which you know one thinks they're doing something when the other one's like this is how it's going on and that's why I think my podcast with my buddy Kevin that special episode I talked about well we're going to talk about the veteran experience kind of brings to light that idea especially now you know he's not very far removed so that's something for everyone to look forward to. So it's kind of complicated, right? Because you have this government issue. You have this issue that the government has created, that they want to create, right? They want pacification to succeed in Southeast Asia. The military, right? The members and the, you know, the real guys who are there. understood you know creating schools creating a better environment creating this and creating that and then the Viet Cong would come and destroy it because it was western so, 
So, you think about the propaganda game. You know, if you really think about life and government, social issues, it's all just a propaganda game. This give and take, take and give, take and give, give and take. Now, I think it's hard to put in to the where we're at now with pacification all over the world. You know, I think everybody has their own feelings towards something like the United Nations, something that has us on board with others. But I'm not sure how we can all get on the same page because everyone's so different and cultures are so different. First of all, it's a fantastic book. And um, Dr. Thompson, if you ever come across this, um, I would love to have a conversation to you about Vietnam with you. Um, it's a conversation, he opens up a conversation that you don't really get to talk about, you know? You don't really see it much. Like, you know... As a... As a... Student of history, right? As you guys know, I am going through... The master's process right now. Taking courses. Uh, My World War II class just ended. Fantastic course. And... You know, studying Vietnam, you you know about pacification. You've heard it, you've studied it, you've seen it, right? In archives, you've seen it kind of in different things. But again, you don't find a scholarly book or a writing about kind of helping you understand what it is. And I think it opens up a lot of questions military and war in society right because there's different ways you can look at war and conflicts and military and war in society is a big one personally I think is a big one you know you think about government and military government and civilians well you just think war and society society and civilians as its own entity you think about lice right you think about feeding your family you think about this resource of rice and taking it away from a province right a coastal area that lives off of it in all ways of life It only makes sense. 
now I know I don't know right I think there's a big understanding in each capital how important this place was you know and the propaganda game was a big big piece that played in that area you know in for New Year and I can't I know I my Vietnamese will get better with time I promise you that listeners if you are listening right now and if you are gonna follow me my Vietnamese will get better I promise but that propaganda game right you see it in life and you see it it's no different here Here's another quote that I'm actually just reading or I just read. Um, The Americans, South Koreans, and South Vietnamese embarked on division agendas. Withdrawal, self-preservation, accommodations, respectively, as the rest of the 1970 went on, pacification suffered from allied discord, not just from... North Vietnam maneuvers, right? Because they caused so much not destruction. I mean, yes, but that's not the right word for it. They caused so much disorganization within the plan of pacification that the government put forth, like destroying those schools, like destroying those, like the rice paddies, that kind of thing, causing a famine within the villagers that would only lead one to go to where the food is. Going back to the resource, going back to the idea of rice. Vietnam, in a lot of ways, when 1970 came, 1969, 1970, towards the end of the conflict, towards when we were getting out of there, became a crisis of rice, of a resource of supplies and any right any human in their mind is going to go feed their families and themselves everyone was tired everyone was sick of fighting you know especially the North Vietnamese because they've been fighting since the historical record said so (laughs) probably before that you know and that's one of the I don't call it a tragedy, you know, you guys know that, and I don't like using the term lesson, because I know the term lesson from Vietnam has been interpreted, I think, in the wrong way, but in the sense of lessons, my own thought of what we can learn from Vietnam is everyone's just sick of fighting 
Look at, you know, 1950 to 1975, North Vietnam had been fighting. Everyone's just sick of it. And the advisee crisis didn't really help the relationship between government and capitals. So now you have this resource in rice that is the reason people are going a certain way. You know, and you can only build so many schools to be burnt down (laughs) until you get sick of it. And that's what the the Viet Cong knew and the NVA troops knew. We're going to just keep destroying it because all they are trying to do is a fast process. We know they're not going to be here very much longer. Let's speed up that process. As I end this podcast, I want to kind of thank Dr. Thompson, historian Dr. Thompson. Um, Amazing book. Amazing perspective. Amazing reminder of how important Vietnam is to the story of our United States military. And to try to teach right to teach that and not to teach to misinterpretation right you know this kind of just washed version of what Vietnam was you know there's kind of a larger picture that I think Dr. Thompson does a great job at showing this larger picture of the story of Vietnam and the involvement that the U.S. was in Southeast Asia. In the bigger picture of Vietnam, like, the the history of Vietnam is so rich, you know, and I've been thinking about it and, you know, leave comments, whatever you might want, you know, Creating more history about Vietnam will only lead to a, I think, understanding of it better. As I always say, uh, thank you for listening. This has been an awesome episode to do, and an awesome book to read, and an awesome, awesome things I got to learn from just reading. So. Thanks again. This is Bobby for Out of Context History. See you on the flip side.